And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air, the official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. We bring you news no one else will bring you from Delaware, Bucks, Chester, and Montgomery counties. All thanks to our intrepid news editor, Linda Stein. Linda, how are you? Thanks, Michael. So uh, a lot of news going on, but nothing is more important to people, I don't think, than A, taxes and B, public safety. And we have a very special guest who has overlapped both of those issues. Uh, Linda, would you mind introducing her to the podcast audience? Sure. This is our uh, Pennsylvania State Treasurer, Stacy Garrity. Hey, Linda and Michael. It's great to be with the Delaware Valley Journal again. Treasurer Garrity, not too long ago, you wrote an op-ed about organized retail theft. Uh, can you please explain exactly what that is and uh, why it's so bad, uh, not just for the stores, but for the state government itself? Absolutely. So organized retail crime, um, think about it like shoplifting on steroids. So you have criminal networks across the country, they steal from retailers, um, and I should say both large and small, and then what they do is they sell those items on the black market, and a lot of times it's online. And so when you think about the common targets, they would be like medicine, designer clothes, and electronics, but they'll take anything that they think they can make a profit on. So other items could be like excuse me, power tools, tobacco, and even some lower cost items like, you know, razors and groceries. And um, the reason I care about this so much is, well, there's many reasons, but I am a huge supporter of Pennsylvania businesses and organized retail theft is terrible no matter what company is targeted, but it really hits small businesses especially hard. And our small businesses are still reeling from the effects of the pandemic and things which were obviously no fault of their own. And they've done incredible work against tremendous odds. And this is the kind of crime that can force a small business to shut down, costing people their jobs. And so when you think about my one of my main responsibilities, my job as treasurer is to be the fiscal watchdog. And so that means that I need to sound the alarm when I see an issue that's going to affect the state finances. Because if we don't effectively address organized retail crime, the impact will create a hole in the state budget. How much and, is that costing the state? Well, it looks like it, all American business, it's, it's about $100 billion every year. And that's, yeah. With wow. a, for Pennsylvania, um, just in 2021, about $5.6 billion was stolen from Pennsylvania businesses. Holy cow. Yeah, Linda, only California was worse. So that's crazy. And you probably have seen just last October, we heard about two Wawa stores closing in Philadelphia because of that increase right. in crime. And, you know, business owners are just finding it unsustainable to keep the businesses open because they're losing so much money to the criminals. So then- they have to hire their own security and the losses they sustain, you know, it ultimately impacts the consumers. You know, uh, uh, Madam Treasurer, it's interesting you mentioned the security guards because for one reason, our very own Linda Stein wrote a piece recently about the surge in the increase of 
of uh, retail businesses turning to private security guards because they had to. She uh, had a conversation with uh, Alex Beloga with the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association about this. And the part that has sh uh, surprised me as we've covered this broad national issue and its impact in Pennsylvania as well is the link between gangs and these organized retail thefts. And we had a prosecutor tell us from, I think she was from Georgia, that one way that gangs will initiate young guys who want to be in the gang is they'll send five or six of them in to shoplift stuff that they've already sold online. They have some dark web website that already say, Hey, shoes, you know, 25 bucks and they're a hundred dollars shoes. And they send the kids in to steal them to both initiate them into the gang and obviously to make money. And then if they get caught, they're just kids. And I'm wondering if there, if you've had talks with law enforcement, whether it's the sheriff's association, et cetera, about this dangerous overlap between on the one hand, it costs taxpayers money. But on the other hand, that money goes not to just some whatever, you know, knucklehead who's buying comic books, but it goes to some of the worst gangs in America. Well, you're absolutely right, Michael, because as a matter of public safety, if people know they can steal, then they automatically move on at least a lot of times to the next level of crime. And, and you're right, it does start out with gangs. Um, now, I do want to mention, since uh, this is in your area, I am troubled by the policy of the Philadelphia DA, Larry Krasner, because right. unlike most of the other counties in the Commonwealth, his guidance is to charge and dismiss if the value is less than $500. That's so, what I was just going to mention. Yes, yes. Linda, think about that. So you could steal a TV and it's treated like an unpaid speeding ticket. And the Pennsylvania Criminal Code is very clear. It's a misdemeanor if it's your second offense or it's greater than $150. So imagine you're a convenience store like Wawa. People, that means people can brazenly walk in and take whatever they want. And again, we, the consumer, ultimately pays the price. Do you, uh, have you written uh, Mr. Krasner a letter or anything about this? Um, <laughs> I have not, but I know that the legislators um, have talked to him about basically his stance on crime. And, you know, there was just a push right. for impeachment that um, unfortunately didn't go anywhere. Well, he's impeached, but he's not tried. So. Well, exactly. Exactly. That's a good distinction. <laughs> so what is what is your office doing? Are you taking any steps to help with this problem with retailers or is it just kind of an awareness thing? Um, I would say that it's very much an awareness thing, but we're also meeting with different organizations. Um, but what we are, we have a number of recommendations for Congress to act on. Um, including measures that would, we, I think we need a national plan of action. We need to improve intelligence sharing, and we really need to strengthen cooperation between federal, state, and local authorities. So at this point, it does not appear that any state level legislation is needed, but what we do need at the state level is to continue raising awareness, and we need to encourage cooperation between state and local authorities, and as well as the companies being targeted. Uh, would there be a way to get a breakdown? Obviously, nothing's going to be you know dollar for dollar, but kind of a thumbnail breakdown of how much is being lost for tax, you know, for for uh, in, in tax revenue, say by county, so that people could see this is what it affect how it affects you. Because I know it's complicated. The state distributes money and it collects money, and then the county collects money, whatever. But I think it would, like you said, because it's so high, the amount of of uh, you know retail organized retail crime that's going on, the amount that it's costing. I just wonder if that might not inspire, say, 
cities to say, you know what, we want to step this up for local law enforcement. You know, we've made it a second tier priority. We're going to make it a first tier priority because it's costing real dollars. Is that realistic? You know, Michael, I don't, with that 5.56 or 5.6 billion dollars, I'm not sure if I have the breakdown at the county level, but I'll check and we'll get back to you. But, you know, getting back to, you know, the drug cartels, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's another group that profits and also some overseas terrorist organizations. So we really have to take action because it's really a matter of national security. And we have a new piece at DelawareValleyJournal.com about the connection between human trafficking and uh, these gangs because they're the same gangs. They're using the same you know, pipeline of people. They're using the same you know, tools to evade the police and evade the law, you know, new tech, the kind of you know, phone tech that lets you, you know, send a signal, uh, a, a message that immediately wipes out. And so you've got the gang, as you, you said something early on, I thought was really profound. They don't care what they're selling. They care no. that they made a profit. You know, Al Capone would have sold, you know, marshmallows if it had made him money. He, didn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't into liquor as liquor. He just, it was, it was just a product people wanted that they couldn't get that he could you know, mark up. And so it's really disturbing to see the same gangs that are involved in human trafficking are also involved in the fentanyl, you know, distribution and in the uh, organized retail theft distribution, because all basically the same thing, moving illicit goods, uh, and making large profits off of it. Uh, exactly. And as you know, Pennsylvania is the fifth state, fifth highest state in, in uh, overdose deaths. Mm. Yeah, that's so sad. It is sad. Well, can we talk about something less m- profound, but also less, less depressing? And that's uh, activity at our porch. You appointed uh, uh, Jim Snell with the Pipefitters Union uh, to uh, sit on the board that oversees what's going on at the port. And I know it's a huge revenue stream for the state, for, for the, the business community, which means it's revenue for you too. Uh, do you think the state is doing enough to utilize the asset it has at the port? And what about people who are trying to roll back what the port can do in the name of things like uh, climate policy? Right. Obviously, um, my job is to be a fiduciary. And so I'm for, you know, protecting our dollars and then trying to turn a profit. So I I definitely, um, you know, don't think that's the right direction to go. I'm very happy that we have Jim Snell on board because his background, which it does include service on the port of Philadelphia Advisory Committee. Also, Jim has relationships in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So I think it is good news for Pennsylvania taxpayers because as you said, he is a business manager of Steamfitters Local 420. He understands how important um, oil and gas is to the Commonwealth and he understands you know, the need for family sustaining jobs. So I think he's uniquely qualified and um, I'm very honored that he's going to serve. You know, there've been a lot of uh, uh, proposals in the green uh, uh, tech and green policy space that are pretty dramatic, draconian. I'm not just talking about seizing people's gas stoves, but, you know, drastically restricting, uh, you know, the use of oil and gas, ability to distribute oil and gas. And it's clearly something that people need to debate. They need to talk about the climate impacts of their actions. They need to talk about the environmental impacts of actions, but they also need to talk about the economic impacts of their actions. Do you think that the economics that pe- the, the people who are having these conversations understand the economics of what the energy sector means to the state, both in the private sector with jobs and then for you, you know, the revenue coming in to pay the bills? Well, I, I hope they do. And believe me, I'm I'm not opposed to 
you know, looking at different forms of alternative energies, but let's face it, um, anybody that thinks that they're going to vilify oil and gas, it just doesn't make sense to me because we are reliant on oil and gas. And I'm not sure most folks think about oil and gas this way, but Michael, it's a matter of national security. So if, if Pennsylvania, and this is what I want people to understand, if they could unleash the natural gas under our feet, and by the way, it's 30% cleaner. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great thing. Europe at this point would not be held hostage by Russia. And if Pennsylvania, I mean, if our natural gas was going overseas, if we were going to Europe, um, think about the revenue that would come to our state, which would be a game changer in itself. Right. And, and think about it and think about a great place to put the natural gas on ships to send it over there. The port. Exactly. There you go. That's, that's where I was going. The port. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're in favor of the liquid natural gas processing plant that has been uh, bandied about for Philadelphia? I'm absolutely a strong supporter of that. I mean, there's that project. There's a couple other projects. There's one in the Northeast, uh, Nacero. Um, these projects, first of all, we would have thousands of trade jobs and we all know how uh, lucrative they are and, you know, fam good family sustaining jobs, but they would also offer hundreds and hundreds of permanent jobs when all is said and done and uh, helps national security and then just brings in such a tremendous amount of revenue. I mean, I really think it's a win-win. One last question for you, uh, uh, Treasurer. It's been a uh, hot topic on the financial side. And it and once again, like so much we talked about, it has a public and private aspect. Vanguard, you know, under pressure because uh, some people were saying, we want you to do ESG investments with people's retirement. And uh, retirees are saying, no, 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 we just want the best deal. We just want to eat when we're 85 years old. And there's also pressure on the state of Pennsylvania to do ESG investing with you know the, the funds that you oversee. Could you first of all explain to those of us in the back of the class what ESG means? And secondly, what is the state of Pennsylvania and your stance on it? Absolutely. So ESG of course stands for environmental, social, and governance. And right now it's a really popular phrase to basically describe investment objectives and matters that differ from traditional business profits. Um, so it's been used as a way of adding social objectives when making investment decisions. Um, now, the good news for Pennsylvania, so Pennsylvania, so my agency in, directly invests about $46 billion. So Pennsylvania law requires the state treasurer to use what's known as prudent investor standard when making investment decisions. And so what that means is the only goal I have, Michael, the only goal I have when making investment decisions is to protect the interests of our taxpayers, okay? So ESG proponents, they tend to care less about investment returns and more about the specific policy goals they're pushing. So based on Pennsylvania law, which by the way, definitely aligns with my personal philosophy, that's not what I do. <laughs> so I have to protect the money and then secondarily, it's great to get a return. Um, now, that's not to say that ESG isn't considered, because think about this. Um, the minute that Russia invaded Ukraine, I ordered Treasury to divest of all Russian assets. Okay, now we didn't have that much. We had about $3 million. Mm -hmm. But in the overall scheme of things, um, think about that. That's ESG. Right. Um, because first of all, I wanted to protect Pennsylvania taxpayers. 
And by the way, we were the first uh, agency to divest from Russia. Oh, but, I know that. but secondarily, you know, Russia invaded a sovereign nation, Ukraine. And then secondly, we've divested from China. And that's ESG because it's based on a number of issues that I think spell trouble. First and foremost is the fact that Chinese, you know, their government is authoritarian. And what they've proven is they won't hesitate to interfere in the business of Chinese companies and consider the geopolitical position with Taiwan and then the human rights abuses against the Uyghurs and other Muslim ethnic groups. So that's ESG. So this all goes back though to the prudent person standard. So my job is to achieve strong investment returns for Pennsylvania taxpayers without putting their hard earned tax dollars at unnecessary right. risk. Now, as far as Vanguard goes, um, I don't care if they offer an ESG option for people to choose, but people can also choose to do indexing. They can, you know, um, they should be able to offer different choices for investors to make those right. decisions. What I am happy with Vanguard about is that they pulled out of, and I might have the phrase um, incorrect, but it's the zero right. emission um, climate pact. Right, exactly. Right. So they pulled out of that, which I think is a really great sign. Um, and um, I just met with them actually. I was in Philadelphia this weekend oh. and uh, told them, you know, we we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what 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 ESG does? So it advances these social policies. And so what happens is you have like the Black Rocks and the State Streets, and what they do is they vote proxy shares to advance these social objectives. So the good news is is that Treasury, we vote our own proxy shares. Excellent. And that's what folks need to do. So what would you say to someone who says, so we're on the same page, we believe in using the power of the state over its investments to influence public policy. We just disagree on the policy. And once we elect a, you know, person who's focused on, you know, green energy issues, state treasurer AOC will happily pull all the money out of everything that has to do with, you know, fossil fuels and whatever, you know, gun manufacturers and meat producers. And so it's, a, you know, that you, in other words, you're embracing the same philosophy. You're just, you know, driving down a different lane. Yeah. What I would say is that I really think we should be calling balls and strikes. And um, much like someone who has a 401k, we invest in the index at Treasury. Um, and again, I think it's important that we vote our own proxy shares. But when you think about it, when you look at these different pension boards and when you look at, you know, the money that Treasury is investing for the Commonwealth, I mean, we really have to be concerned about taxpayers and the beneficiaries because these people are reliant right. on to, you know, to have their SERS pensions, to have their school pensions. And so I, I think, you know, our job is to, to make sure that we protect these for hardworking Pennsylvanians that have retired and have planned on it. Treasurer, you also sit on the PISERS board. Uh, does PISERS follow the same rules um, or guidelines that you do? They do not, but right now um, they're kind of working on an ESG philosophy, but we have enough people on the board I think enough people that understand that we really have to make sure that we're doing um, the right thing to protect the funds for the beneficiaries for many, many years to come. Well, listen, we know we have to let you go. You have the big state abacus in there that you have to work to figure out how much money you have. <laughs> and everything. So we don't want to take you away from that. Uh, Treasurer Garrity, thanks so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Michael. 
Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.